All right, this is the last in this series on the Holy Spirit, but I saved the best for last because I want to talk to you about what absolutely revolutionized my own life, and that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not going to get hung up on semantics. You can call it the baptism of the Spirit, filling of the Spirit, the touch of the Holy Spirit, the second experience of the Holy Spirit. You can call it what you want. All I know is it's real. Okay? So we're going to talk about the Spirit's empowering. And I want to quote Jesus because you're safe as long as you're quoting Jesus, especially on something like this that's a little bit controversial. But it shouldn't be. So let's see what Jesus said about the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, verse 4. I'm going from there to Acts 1. And if you just go to Luke 24 and then to Acts 1, you're going to be on good ground. Luke 24, verse 4. Now here's Jesus. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been, now what does it say? clothed with power from on high. Interesting phraseology, isn't it? Clothed. Now, let's go to Acts 1, verse 4. But being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. In other words, I've been talking about it. Jesus said to his disciples, I've been telling you about it, and it's about to happen. For John baptized with water, but you shall be, now read it with me, church, baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. There you got two words, clothed and baptized, both in the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 8, but you shall, read it with me, receive power. Turn to your neighbor and say, that must mean you. You shall receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Fort Worth and in Texas. I'm sorry, I read it wrong. (laughs) You shall be witnesses to me in Fort Worth, in the DFW Metroplex, in Texas, in America, and around the world. Okay. Let's pray. Father, we need the Holy Spirit like never before. Oh, Lord, we need to be clothed with power. We need to be enveloped in your power, filled with your power, draped in your power, and sent in your power. And so, Lord, today we ask you, clothe us, fall upon us, breathe upon us. Can you lift your hands, church, and say, Lord, today, breathe on me. Breathe on me. Breathe on me. Breathe on me, the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell your neighbor, God heard that prayer. Oh, he heard that prayer, I promise you. I'm a debtor to the Holy Spirit. I'm a debtor to the cross of Christ. I'm a debtor to the blood of the Lamb. But I'm also a debtor, a great debtor to the Holy Spirit. I would never become a preacher without the power of the Holy Spirit. He would have never taken a skinny, wasted, hippie in juvenile home and called me to preach and stood me behind a pulpit but through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm a debtor to the thousands and thousands of times he's picked me up, refreshed me, spoken to me, encouraged me, 
guided me, strengthened me, helped me, spoken to me, set my heart on fire afresh and anew. I'm a debtor to the Holy Spirit, and so are you. Now, so far in our series on the Holy Spirit, we've talked about five things. Here they are, the gift, and it's a gift. The Holy Spirit's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't merit it. The Holy Spirit is given by Jesus because of his sacrifice for us. So he's a gift. And then we talked about the personhood of the Holy Spirit. He is not an it or a goosebump or a thing or a force. But the Holy Spirit is a person. He thinks. He strategizes. He has a will. He feels. He speaks. He moves. He is a person. And we talked about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We're not to be filled once. We're to be filled over and over and over repeatedly, continuously, day after day, week after week, ongoingly, be being filled. And then I talked about the Holy Spirit as our helper. He's helped us. How many of you can say, this week he helped me? Raise your hand. I want you to look around how active the Holy Ghost is in the church. Just turn around and look. All these hands. All those hands, people were helped by the Holy Spirit. And then I talked last week about how he's our guide. He guides us. He guides us. The steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. I will lead you and teach you in the way that you should go. Don't be stubborn like a horse or a mule. But follow the guidance of God in your life. So he's our guide, and he, he guided us. I'm going to ask you again, how many of you this week were guided in some decision by the Holy Spirit? He guided you. Look how active he is in the church. Now, I want to talk to you today about the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And, and i got to deal with three words because Jesus threw out three words that we need to understand before I continue. So let me just do it real quickly. Um, he, three words. The first, he said, don't go minister in my name until you have been clothed in power. What an interesting choice of words, clothed, because we all got dressed today. Thank God all of you are dressed. We all got dressed today, right? Well, uh, but Jesus said, in the same way you, you get dressed, you clothe yourself, I'm going to clothe you in Holy Spirit power. I'm going to clothe you. The Greek word is enduo, and from enduo we get endued. And so some of your Bible translations will say, uh, uh, until you be endued with power. But I, I think it's a great uh, translation to say clothed. Because Paul uses the same word to describe putting on the armor of God. Put on the armor, clothe yourself in the armor of God. Be clothed in it. He used the same word on putting on, clothe yourself in the new man. You have a new man, and you are to walk in the new man. You are to walk, not according to the old man, the old man of sin, but the new man, created anew in Christ Jesus. Clothe yourself in that new man. He uses it again of being clothed in Jesus. Get dressed up in Jesus. That's dressed to kill. Amen? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. When you're dressed in Jesus, you kill the devil. You kill the works of Satan. You, you drive back satanic assignments when you're dressed in Jesus. So 
He, Jesus is drawing a picture here. I'm going to clothe you. You are going to be clothed in the power of God. And then the next word he used, he said baptized. He said, don't go out of Jerusalem. Luke quotes him in Acts 1. Don't go out of Jerusalem until you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's another word. The, the Greek word is baptizo, and it does not mean sprinkled. It doesn't mean sprinkled, like being in a little, you know, uh, yesterday it sprinkled on me a little bit when I was sitting on my patio. And, and, and so uh, that's not what he's talking about. If I'd been sitting on my patio and somebody had come up behind me like they do at games with the big thing of Gatorade and dumped it all over me, that would have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay? The word means submerged, submerged. Jesus compares the baptism of John, where John didn't just sprinkle you. John put you all the way under and brought you back up like we do. That's why we call it take the plunge. If you got sprinkled as a kid, it hasn't taken. Get baptized. You need to be baptized. Baptized with him by baptism into his death, raised to walk in the newness of life. So you're buried with him by baptism. You go completely under. Jesus said, that's what I'm going to do with you and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to drench you, saturate you. I'm going to pour the Holy Spirit on you. Uh, when a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can't get away from it. It means to be submerged in spiritual power. Submerged, clothed by his power. Both words, baptized and clothed by, carry the idea that the receiver is totally encompassed in, totally enveloped in the mighty power of God. When you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, nobody has to tell you that it happened. You know that it happened. So we're not kind of talking, we're not talking about just kind of being touched. Like, ooh, I just kind of felt the Holy Spirit pass me by. Uh-uh. We're talking about the whole person is baptized in the Holy Spirit head to toe. Power. And that's the third word that I want to talk about. He said, I'm going to baptize you in power. Don't leave until you have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the baptism in power. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to fill you with power. Now, we know what power is. If you grab hold of an electric wire, a live wire, if you grab hold of it, you know you've grabbed hold of it because it knocks you down. It's power. We understand power. We understand the power of wind when we see it sweep through trees or terrible wind like tornadoes or hurricanes that blow houses down and blow trees down. We say, look at the power of that wind. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he's going to come in power. Tangible, feelable, sensible power. Not an idea, not a concept, but real power. See, the greatest power in all the world is spiritual power spiritual power. By spiritual power, we're going to be caught up together with the Lord in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. By spiritual power, by his spiritual power, you were changed from death to life, from lost to found, from blind to sight. By spiritual power, he made you alive in Jesus Christ by spiritual power. Spiritual power is real. 
And the word is dunamis. You've all heard it, dunamis. He said, I'm going to baptize you in dunamis power, in, in, in dynamite power. We, we get the English word dynamite from dunamis. It means force. It means might. It means ability. It literally means prayer, or, or rather power through God's ability. The, the ability of God by his power moving through you. The word dunamis is all throughout the New Testament in connection with the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says Jesus returned from the wilderness. He was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. And it says when he went into the wilderness, then he encountered what I call the showdown in the desert. The devil came to him to stop him before he started. He tried killing him when he was a baby. He tried stopping him before he was launched into his ministry. And the devil attacked him and hit him with temptation after temptation, just vivid temptation, just just really serious temptation. And the Bible says that Jesus defeated him by the word of God and came out of the wilderness. Luke says, in the power, in the dunamis of the Spirit. And that's when he went into the synagogue and began his ministry. And immediately demons started crying out of people. And the people started being healed and delivered, and the miracles began to flow when Jesus came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. It says in the book of Acts, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with, say it with me, power, power. And it's the same word, dunamis. Matthew eleven twenty. 20, then he, Jesus, began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works, dunamis. Works there is dunamis, works of power. He began to rebuke the cities in which he did works of power because they did not repent. They saw the lame sick healed. They saw the dead raised. They saw miracle after miracle, and they still did not repent. Matthew 13, it says, When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works, dunamis, these mighty works of power? How is he doing this? When you encountered Jesus, two things stood out to you. His, his powerful wisdom, the way in which he spoke. No man spoke like this man. No man speaks like this man, it was said of him. There is nobody on earth talking like this man with his wisdom, and it was his works of power. They saw the wisdom and they saw the works of power. Jesus was enveloped in dunamis power. Now, I'm going somewhere with this because Jesus is about to tell us that the same power that was resting on him, he's going to share with us. He's going to share it with us. Jesus promised his fledgling church, you're going to receive the very power of God, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit falls upon you. And it didn't just fall in the first century. Church. On the day of Pentecost, that was the church's birthday. The Holy Spirit didn't fall then and then stop when the last apostle died. That's baloney. You're going to tell me that God is going to take away our power when the enemy is moving right and left all over the world? No. If anything, he's going to more empower us. Jesus never intended for his church to be a retiring, reticent, timid, fearful, 
defeated, weak church. He intended for his church to be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. He gave us power. I want you to say with me, he gave power. Do you feel powerful? Well, even if you don't, don't listen to your feelings. You don't, your feelings don't guide you. The Word of God does. And the Bible says he gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us. Now, let me, let me ask you a question. For what reason did Jesus give the Holy Spirit? Why did he give the power of the Holy Spirit to the church? He answered it himself. He said, here's why. This is in the same verse. He said, I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, and then you shall be witnesses to me. You shall be witnesses to me. He said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn every one of my people into a minister of God. Every one of my people. Everybody look up at me for a minute. I'm I'm talking right to you. Every one of his people are called to be ministers of God, and he has anointed you with holy spiritual oil, and that is the Holy Spirit of the living God. You are anointed, and you are appointed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes it abundantly clear that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not poured out on people to play with like a toy or to get goosebumps, though you do get goosebumps. I've had millions of goosebumps based on the touches of God's Spirit on my life, but that's not why he gave the Holy Spirit to us. He didn't give us the Holy Spirit to seek out endless emotional experiences, though it is emotional. But he didn't give us the Holy Spirit for the sole purpose of us having an emotional experience. The Holy Spirit wasn't given to get drunk on, as some put it. That's always bothered me. Listen, he delivers us from drunkenness. Now, he can, he can bless you and touch you where maybe you feel a little bit off balance. So let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, you don't lose control. You, you acquire self-control. He's the spirit of self-control where you can say no to sin and yes to God. He gives us power against sin. The Holy Spirit was not given for us to form bless-me clubs or to make a spectacle of him. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the church to empower us for ministry. That's why he was given, to empower us, to give us spiritual power. Jesus said, you shall be witnesses for me after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you have been clothed with power, baptized in power. Then you're going to be a witness for me. And ministry is exactly what happened after the Holy Spirit fell on those on the day of Pentecost. Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. He held out his palm and he asked for an alm. And this is what Peter did say. I wish I could say I'm making that up as I go, but that's an old song. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name, you can't give what you don't have. He says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, that's what I'm giving you. And what I do have is the name of Jesus, and I am clothed in the power of God. So in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. He went walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. Amen. 
And, and everybody around knew that he had been born this way. And so they, they said, how could this have happened? And, and they even began to almost worship Peter and John. And it says in Acts 3.12 that Peter said, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? As though by our own power, dunamis, or godliness, we made this man walk. He's saying, we don't have this power. This is not of us. This is not from us. This has been done by the power, dunamis, of God that we have been clothed in. The Bible describes the early church this way, and I wonder if the Holy Spirit was to do a quick sweep through the Western church. If this is the way he would describe the current church, you, you answer it yourself. It says in Acts 4.33, And with great power, dunamis, the apostles gave witness. See that? Power, witness. Power, witness. Power, witness. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on them all. Would you describe the current church age that way? Walking in great power, witnessing for Jesus, walking in great grace? I wouldn't. I would say some are, but too many of them have sold out to the culture and sold out to the world. Folks, we've got to get back to the Bible. We've got to get back to the Word. We've got to get back to the power of God. It says of Stephen, Deacon Stephen, he was full of faith and power, dunamis, and did great wonders and signs among the people. So look at that, great power, great grace, doing signs and wonders, witnessing. And what did it? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. And if anybody could have impressed you with words, it would have been Paul. He could have used $100 words with every breath, but he didn't. He said, but instead I came to you in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, dunamis, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power, dunamis, of God. My faith isn't in the wisdom of men. My faith is in the power of God, in the Word of God, and in the God of the Word. That's where my faith is. The small company of believers gathered in the upper room on that glorious day were totally transformed from fearful, nervous, sometimes doubting and timid people to a company of bold, persuasive world changers once they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. How many of you want to be a world changer? How many of you say, boy, our world needs changing? It's not going to happen in Washington, D.C. I can promise you that. No, no, you give me a church of people filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, walking in faith and not by sight but by faith, and I'll give you a church that will change the world. God is looking for His people to arise and to say, Lord, touch me, fill me, come upon me, empower me. It says they went out and turned the world upside down. This little band of blue-collar workers and women went and turned the world upside down once the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Oh, we need the Holy Spirit, folks. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to fall to breathe on us, afresh and anew. Now, how can a person be baptized? How can I be or you be baptized in the Holy Spirit in a whole 
new way, in a fresh way, in a now way, in a today way? How can I be baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive His power? You know, Jeff, it already happened to me. Well, I've already shown you it happens once, it needs to happen again. You had a drink of water last year, but I guarantee you've had one since then. So how can I be? Let me give you three simple ways, according to the Word of God, that we can receive the power of God in a fresh, powerful, new way. First, immerse yourself in the Word of God. You've got to immerse yourself. You know, I was thinking on the way to church here today, I was thinking that that the Old Testament gives us all kinds of New Testament truth. And I was thinking in the Old Testament, God told the people when they were in the wilderness, He said, Now, I'm going to put manna on the ground. And that manna is going to be on the ground every morning at the rising of the sun. And you're going to have to go out and gather it. But guess what? You can't save it. It's not going to last a day. You've got to go gather it yourself every day and eat it that day. And if you don't eat what you gathered that day, it's going to spoil and rot on you. You must gather the manna every day. Do you see where I'm going with this now? You've got to go out there every day. And you can't put it in the refrigerator. You can't put it in the cupboard. You can't preserve it. It's got a 24-hour shelf life. And if you don't go gather it that day, you won't eat that day. What was God saying? He was saying, I want you to learn, church of God, that come to me under Jesus Christ, those who come to me under the blood of the Lamb, and come into the New Testament truth and the New Testament walk, you've got to go to the Word of God every day and gather the manna every day. You can't live on last year's blessing. You've got to be blessed today. You need the Word of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of God's mouth. And then in the Lord's Prayer, He said, give us this day our daily bread. You think he was talking about Wonder Bread, Mrs. Barrett's bread, when he said that? He was talking about this. I get into this Bible every single day, and I pick up my manna, and I eat it, and I eat it, and I eat my manna every day. And every day I live by the Word of God every day. Well, Jeff, I just like to come hear you preach, and that's enough for me. No, it's not. If you think my preaching is enough for you, you need to wake up and smell the roses. You need to be in the Word of God every single day yourself. Get up in the morning and get into it and immerse yourself in the Word of God or I guarantee you, you will probably not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would I say that? That you've got to immerse yourself in the Word of God to be filled with the Spirit because we already read that the first two verses tell us that we are empowered to witness He gave us the power so that we would witness. And how do you witness to somebody? You always witness with the Word of God. I never talk to anybody about Jesus without quoting the Word of God. We witness with the Word of God. The power of the Spirit is released when all of our uh, arrows are in our spiritual bow. When, when, When our bow is filled with the arrows of the Word, that is that is the way that we witness. And we share God's Word. It says that Jesus returned from the wilderness full of dunamis power. But how did He defeat the devil? 
in the wilderness, he quoted the Bible to him every single time. It is written, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. And the devil was hit every time by the power of the Word of God. Jesus didn't debate with him. Jesus didn't argue with him. Jesus didn't consider what the devil was saying. He didn't fellowship with him. He didn't entertain his thoughts. But as soon as the temptation hit, he said, it is written, it is written. And his bow was filled with the arrows of the Word of God. In John 6, 63, Jesus said, it is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words, listen to this, I love this. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are alive. I learned a long time ago when I first started preaching that I saw way more results when I quoted the Word of God, when I just quoted the Bible, because the Word of God is quick and powerful, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces through the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and it discerns the thoughts and hidden motivations of every heart listening. It's a powerful word. The words of Jesus are the voice and the life-giving power of the Spirit. And so we've got to be filled with the Word of God. If we're not regularly hearing His words, we won't be walking in the Spirit's power. In Ephesians 6, 17, Paul said that we should put on the whole armor of God. And that means the sword of the Spirit. And what do you do? You must pick up a sword. You must read the Word. It's not going to jump on you. You must read it. And as you read it, you're picking up the sword of the Spirit. And isn't it funny? During the day when temptation comes your way, you have armed the Holy Spirit with the Word to bring to your mind that you can quote against the devil. The Holy Spirit will not fight without his sword. How much are you in the Word? I hope you're in the Word of God every single day. I hope you're meditating in it, thinking about it, memorizing it, mulling over it, considering it. Spiritual power, folks, accompanies the Word abiding in you. John wrote, to young men. Listen to what he said to the young men. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you and you have conquered the evil one. Now notice, he says, he says you are strong and you have conquered the devil and then he tells us why. Because the Word of God abides in you and that's what's made you strong. Being spiritually strong and conquering the devil go hand in hand with you and I abiding in the Word of God. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. So everybody say with me, read it, think about it, memorize it, gather the manna every morning. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. I don't know how anybody does it anymore without being in the Word of God every day. I would croak without being in it. I need it. 
I need him. I don't get into it to get, be spiritual. I, do in, I get in, into it to survive, to survive and to win. Now, the second way we experience his power is not just being immersed in his word, but listen, believe that same word of God concerning you. It matters what you believe about God. It matters what you believe about you. What does the Bible say about you? Here's what I mean. You must believe by faith that God intends to do wonderful things for His glory through you because that's what the Bible teaches. God's got His hand on you. God wants to use you. Can we just say together, God wants to use me? Well, that, that was kind of hesitant. That was a little bit hesitant. I want you to say it like you really mean it, like, here I come, world, full of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? God wants to use me. Say it. God wants to use me. Oh, I like that. Now, that's better. He doesn't just want to use me. He wants to use you. He's put his hand on you. The Holy Spirit is upon you. You have no need that any man teach you because the same anointing you've received will teach you. All things. You've got to believe in faith what God has said about you. Now, let me give you an example and just bring it home, make it real practical. Let's say you change your routine and you set aside an hour to be with God before you go to work. Instead of turning on Good Morning America or God forbid the view, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't offend anybody. But oh, Lord. For me, hell would be having to listen to reruns of I'm sorry I'm sorry ain't a whole lot of wisdom flowing out of that show all right <laughs> now so instead of turning on the TV you set aside time for God you, you change your routine and let's say during that time you, you decide to go into the book of Ephesians. Just for an example, you go to the book of Ephesians, and as you're reading, you come across verse 12 in chapter 1 that tells you that, that you have been destined and you have been appointed to live for the praise of His glory and to brag on Jesus. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians 1.12, that, that you have been destined, you have been set aside, and you have been destined and called to, to give glory to God and to brag on Jesus before a lost and a dying world. And then let's say you keep on reading after you read that. You make it all the way over to chapter 3, verse 20. And in verse 20 of chapter 3, you come across the words, He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask for or even imagine on our best day. That's what it says. And so you're a, you, you, you stand up, you're done with your prayer time, and you've got this in your head. I'm appointed, I'm destined to lift Jesus up, and his blessing is going to surpass my wildest imagination. And you go to work. You go off to work. And you face the world of flesh and the devil. And during the day, an opportunity arises to speak a word of testimony to the praise of God's glory. And here you've got somebody sitting, it's the lunch break, let's just say. There you are at the table, and somebody ac across from you is lost, and, and the, the opportunity comes for you to say something. And right then, the Spirit 
grabs the sword and brings to your mind what you read. And you say, I'm alive to bring glory to God. I'm alive to talk about Jesus and brag about Jesus and lift up Jesus and make him known. He has called you out of, his marvel, out, of his, out of darkness into his marvelous light that you would show forth his praises. And so that comes into your mind. And then right behind that, the Holy Ghost brings what else you read up. And you remember he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask for or even think of. So I'm standing on miracle ground. And so before you know it, instead of being fearful or timid, your faith arises because of the Word, and you testify with power of God's goodness. And the Word mixed with faith releases power. And that's the way it works. See, you gave the Holy Ghost something to grab. You armed Him. And now you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you realize as you're talking to that person, you're not alone. But there is another power talking right through you. I do it all the time. Anybody that comes to work at my house, if I have to call a plumber, he's in trouble. If I have to get an electrician over there, I'm going to say something. I'm going to find a way, and I'm going to bring it up. As a matter of fact, I say, okay, uh, they're here. Show me how to bring it up. Show me when to bring it up. Show me what to say. Amen. And I'm armed. I'm loaded for bear, as we would say in East Texas. Amen. But you know why I am? Because the Word went in that morning. And, and so I'm in the power of the Spirit. Now, there's a third way, and I'm going to just close with this. Pray for it. Pray for Him to empower you. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. It just has to be an earnest prayer. The earnest, heartfelt prayer of a righteous person avails much, releasing great power, dynamic in the way that it works. It's exactly what happened to me years ago. I was saved in juvenile home at 16, but I was 18 years old. I went to a Bible study. And I'm in this Bible study full of hippies just like me, long hair, wiring glasses, bell-bottom blue jeans. That just dated me, didn't it? But I'm looking, and the guys have their hands up, tears streaming down their face. I thought it was so strange, so weird looking. At first, I thought, what's wrong with that ceiling? Because they're all looking up. And then I realized that they had been touched in a way that I hadn't. And I said, God, if you'll give that to me, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. If you'll just, and I got about that much out. It was an earnest prayer, and it was a short prayer. And all I can tell you is I can borrow from Charles Finney, the great revivalist. He said, it was like wave after wave of liquid love began to flow through me and flow through me and flow through me until I had to say, God, stop or I will die. Amen. Have you ever been blessed like that? Have you ever been filled like that? And I had to break out of that room. I got out of that room, went out in the front yard, and I began to praise God. I didn't know how to praise God. It just came out because it was the Holy Spirit. He's so real. And it just flowed and flowed. I went and got a guitar, and I learned C, G, and F just so I could sing, God is so good, which we just did. 
and he is Lord and kumbaya. I guarantee you, I alone made God sick of kumbaya. I alone, because I'm in there just singing it. And I sang it, and I sang it in my little efficiency apartment all alone, just me and him. And he kept on, and he kept on. And it was after that that the fire to preach and the, 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 just the, the zeal of, uh, for his house just ate me up. He's here right now. Now I want you to stand with me, would you? And let me... Quote one last verse as we get ready just to worship him for a moment. Jesus said, if you then who are evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father, read the last part with me, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now since his disciples already had a measure of the Spirit, I take Jesus to mean that we should ask for more. You never have enough. And one touch from God, and nothing else will do. I've talked to people who got hooked on some drug. I've had people say to me, oh, Pastor Jeff, I didn't mean to, but I just did crack cocaine one time. And I woke up the next day thinking, I want that again. I got something better. I got something better. Listen. You get one touch of that precious Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, you'll never thirst for anything else again because you want that Holy Spirit. He's here to touch you. And we're just going to worship him. And as we do, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He's received. He's received. You open up the gates of your heart. And he comes in, he's received. So Holy Spirit, as we worship, flow in this place. Lord Jesus, send the Spirit of God on this house. We need to be set free. Some chains need to break. Fetters need to be snapped. Discouraged people need to be encouraged today. Father, send him right now as we worship. Thank you, Lord. Isn't God good? Give him a hand of praise today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I want to ask you to do something when you go home. Go into a room and shut the door. Some of you men who have analysis paralysis and you can't get your hands up, quit trying to analyze it. Just get them up. Right. Stick them up. And let God, Jeff, that's just not me. Yes, it is, because the Bible says lifting up holy hands. So just try it, all right? Half-mast at first. Nobody's looking in your room alone. And I encourage you, the way to come to church next Sunday, Come singing. Come singing. Don't be coming talking about Trump and Obama and Hillary. Oh, that'll get you out of the spirit fast. Come talk about Jesus and singing. And let's have great church next week.